The flight deck is made possible by the generous donors supporting the Museum of Flight. You can support this podcast and the Museum of Flight's other initiatives across the United States and the world by visiting museumofflight.org slash podcast. Hello and welcome to The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. I am your host, Sean Mobley. Today's episode is part three of a series of excerpts from the oral history of Soyunyi. If you've not listened to the previous two excerpts, I cannot recommend them enough because they are both great. She is a wonderful storyteller and it helps put everything in context. And you can find those episodes earlier on the Flight Deck feed. Even if you're not cut up though, I will now hand off the reins of the episode to Soyuni herself and her interviewer, Jeff Nunn, to discuss the story of determination that took her from backup astronaut to the primary astronaut, securing her place in history as the first Korean in outer space. So it was the whole year program. And for kind of first half is the most likely classroom thing. So I should learn all the systems and safety and mechanism and theory. And half of classroom time is learning the Russian language because we should be the official Russian crew. So Russian language is a huge thing to be a Russian astronaut. So half day is a Russian language, half day is a technical stuff. And after those six months, we speak Russian good enough and then we start simulating things. So inside of the simulator, we do all the simulating things again and again and again until even if you memorize, you always should hold the manual to double check and triple check. So yeah, that is the whole year thing. Yeah. And then during the summer, we should have a sea survival. During the winter, we should have a mountain survival. And those things are always inside of the your schedule. So it's quite mixed. Mm-hmm. And you were originally selected as the, the backup yeah. crew Yeah, after six months, Korean government said that we will pick the backup and mm-hmm. primary. Mm-hmm. And after six months, they picked me as a backup and then picked him as a primary. And I love it because even if I became a backup, they said I should stay until the launch day mm-hmm. because we don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. So that is the biggest part because when I was in a selection process, whenever you eliminate, you should go back. Mm-hmm. But in the primary and backup, even if you are backup, you keep doing the training. And then when I went to the Russia, I just already knew that I would be a backup. In a male-dominant society, mm-hmm. Korea, they would not pick the woman. Mm-hmm. And regardless of be a primary or a backup, I think flight is only 11 days. But training is a whole year. So this part is kind of more fun and exciting. So if I can take this, 11 days, maybe can take it. And almost the end of the training, I realized that once you became a primary, all Korean people that recognize you and a huge burdens and everybody watching you. So I realized, oh my God, that's so stressful. And whatever small mistake you make, everybody talk about it, right? But as a backup, nobody knows me and nobody cares about me. So I can do whatever I want. So one day, one of the journalists asked me, Soyeon, how do you feel to be a backup? Because you cannot fly. You know that. And I said, you know what? If the primary can get a fame, I can get a freedom. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot get a freedom at all at that time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. 
And were you in Russia the the whole time the for whole that time. whole year? So you mm -hmm. didn't you didn't only travel. two weeks okay. vacation. Okay. Yeah, because I'm an employee, so we mm -hmm. should have a paid mm -hmm. vacation. So in the middle of the training, we had a two week vacation and then coming back home. But even two week vacation, but from the training in Russia, but one week is not really vacation because all the experiment was designed by the Korean scientists. Mm -hmm. So those one week was that they trained us to how to handle the experiment in space. So we have off from the Russia two weeks, but one week is a training with the Korean scientists. Mm -hmm. And another one week was the real vacation. Mm -hmm. But during that time, I have a PhD that is final yeah. defense. So those whole week, I cannot sleep at all because mm -hmm. I should make a slide decks and meeting the committee and presentation uh, kind of training and practicing and yeah it, it was not vacation for me but did you successfully defend yeah, your phd yeah, right, while right. in the middle of that, that was really interesting yeah. one of my committee was in us mm -hmm. and my advice was a sabbatical break in vietnam and then other three professor was in kaist so even if i made uh, korea for two weeks i cannot be sure if the whole committee come in the same place to have my PhD thesis because most of the time PhD students follow the professor's schedule but in that time I only have a two weeks window and then only one weeks window but luckily the professor who was in US he had his own vacation to visit his family in Korea exact that week even if I didn't mean to and my advisor had uh, some medical problems to so come yeah. back to Korea to come to the hospital and another committee. So we picked uh, only one day, only two hour slot. Everybody come in and uh, we made it. And then finally, my advisor has uh, not that good shape. So he should stay in the hospital. So he has a uh, televised with my presentation <laughs> and uh, he signed on the hospital. It was really interesting. So all my friends said that, oh my God, Soyeon, your life is almost like a sitcom thing. <laughs> <laughs> Even if we try to make on purpose like that, it doesn't happen. But your life is really sitcom. But it was more funnier thing is, one of my friends keep telling me, oh, your life is almost like a sitcom. It's so funny. But once I became a primarist, and he called me, so I think your life is a sitcom. Finally, it became a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> so it was so funny. Yeah. So so. Uh, what happened with the, the transition from backup to primary? Uh, there's some kind of cultural misunderstanding thing also, because until that time, Russian uh, space program is under the military program. So all the training, all the process is really serious under the military culture. And thank God, I had uh, experience with working with a foreign country when I was in PhD program, because my whole PhD program was the collaboration research with the UC Berkeley. So we have a kind of sensitive patent issue always between two schools and always between two countries we have a huge patent issue between two. So whenever we have a collaboration research together, we should figure out which kind of IP should uh, kind of belong to the KAIST and Korea, which IP belong to the Berkeley and America. So we have a lot of the security issues. So we sometimes should meet the intelligent agency in between two. So I had a little bit of the experience of the diplomatic security issue going through that as a researcher. And when we went to the Russia to have a training, you know, a space program, space technology, really, really sensitive security issue between the country. So 
if you go to the NASA as a researcher, even if just a duct tape on the bottom, but by the contract, you better not touch the duct tape kind of thing. It's a really stupid official process in Russia also. And we know which is the casual, which is not the sensitive, which is really sensitive. So we always just override the security contract. Sometimes it's really stupid. But at certain point, if the general, kind of huge general related or military policies related, we at least pretend to follow the protocol, even if it's a stupid. As a military guy who living in that place, you know easily you could feel that. But as a foreigner, sometimes we couldn't sense that and we could make a huge mistake. So my colleague, he couldn't sense that. And then sometimes he take the material, get out of the simulator. It's not a sensitive at all, but some military police come to, uh, it's a classified as a confidential information. How can you bring this out of the simulator? But if you read it, it's so stupid. It's already on the Wikipedia, mm -hmm. but as a protocol. So he made those kind of mistake. And then my case is always, that, oh, sorry, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And I put it back because I was already minority there. No women, no Asians, small, mm -hmm. little. So I always should be careful not to make other people upset because they don't have a universal standard. Sometimes mm -hmm. they are more cruel to the woman. They are more generous to the muscly guy. So I already had uh, those experience from the mechanical engineering department. So I always try to be the careful. But my colleague, he's the Seoul National University alumni working in the Samsung. So he was more like a major, not a minority, majority, he always. So he accustomed to act like that. So in even Russian military, he does act like he's the, not the minority. And then that makes a Russian military feel a little uncomfortable. Oh, small little Koreans, he, mm -hmm. you really think you are military, Russian military? You're not. And then some kind of conflict happens. Mm -hmm. And some Russians feel a little more uncomfortable with that. And they suggest the Korean government, it's OK. We know that it's not a sensitive. But what if when he was in space, he didn't listen to us? What if he's uh, too brave during the space? then it would have a huge problem. And then he doesn't have experience in space. He's a kind of rookie. Then those rookie doesn't know which is really important, which is not. And then those little small mistakes make a huge consequence. Then Korean government, can you be the liable for all those things? Then the Korean government feel a little afraid. And Russian government, a uh, Russian kind of colleague of mine realized that I'm kind of too careful but that is from my gut because I was forever minority. When I was a kid, we are living in a poor bracket area. So I always should be careful not to cross the border between the higher classic peoples. Mm -hmm. And science high school, women's minority. Mechanical engineering department, of course. Mm -hmm. And when I was in a PhD program, whenever we have a collaboration with a company or a government, I really knew that some guys treat me almost nothing, only because I'm a woman. And whenever I kind of pick the phone, say hello, they just said, ah, I would love to talk with the researcher who in charge of this research. And then I said, yeah, I'm that person. I'm Soyeon. And I said, oh, you are that person? I would love to talk to the male researcher. And then, okay, 
transfer. And so all those things I already have, so I should be super careful. So they just kind of think of me like uh, always follow their rules and kind of lower attitude. And of course, I did my best. And then some of the Russian colleagues, they realized that even under those kind of discrimination, I just do my best to break it out and make it happen. And then even in the middle of the simulation training, some instructor told me like, Soyeon, you don't have to learn this. Even if they, he literally told me, even if you will fly, <laughs> some male colleagues help you to do that. So you don't have to learn to do it. And then I told him, you know what? I'm not here as a woman. I'm here as an astronaut. I really want to try this. If you don't want me to try, of course, I can step back but I really want to try, so don't worry about me. And he just said, ah, oh, because it's uh, dangerous, because it's required a force. No, just a lever. It's not force at all, but just, he told me, like, oh, you need force. I don't think so. So all those things happen, and then some third person observing me, some other people is observing me, and then they realize that I'm kind of good at mitigate those kind of conflict. So those two boys come together, and then they recommended me more than him. And then first time, Korean government said no, because we want to make him fly. But after two, three times, they suggesting from the Russian side. And then Korean government said, maybe we would accept your suggestion and then finally change it. So it's not a big, huge scandal. It's more like a cultural misunderstanding. And I feel so thankful, because when I get through all those discrimination and minority issues in Korea and as a woman, I really hate it. But when I got through those older things in Russia, oh my god, that is a wonderful opportunity to learn how to mitigate, how to handle that. So yeah, in life, no matter how bad things happen, it always gives you a chance to learn. So yeah, in I don't know what happened in the deep side, because I'm also trainee and I'm not the person who made a decision, but as far as I know, it was starting from the cultural misunderstanding. Thank you for joining me today on The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. We'll be returning to Soyun Yi's oral history at least one more time, because the story of her time in space, and especially her action-packed, nearly disastrous return, is one worth listening to, and we haven't gotten there yet. This oral history was recorded at the Museum of Flight as part of our oral history program, made possible with the generous support of Michael and Mary Kay Hallman. If you don't want to wait to hear her whole story, our oral histories are available to the public for research, and you can find out more details about that in this episode's show notes. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with our episodes. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you downloaded us from. You can contact the show at podcast at museumofflight.org. And until next time, this is your host, Sean Wobbly, saying we'll see you out there, folks. <laughs>